I'm Father Ron Shibley, founder and director of the Anglican Internet Church, and I welcome you to episode 23 in the fourth edition of the AIC Bible Study video series, The New Testament Gospels. In this episode, I continue my discussion of unique content in the Gospel of St. Luke. At the end of the episode, I'll point out where material presented in episode 23 is discussed in the new AIC bookstore publication, The Gospel of St. Luke, Annotated and Illustrated. In chapters 12 and 13 of St. Luke's account, Jesus continues a dialogue that follows from his criticism of the hypocrisy of the Pharisees in the opening 12 verses of chapter 12. These events occur in the regions of Judea and Perea, while the traveling party is on the way to what would be Jesus' final week in Jerusalem. The topics in these discourses range from greed and anxiety. Both are topics discussed earlier in episode 17 in the parable of the rich fool. Also the topics of laziness, forgetfulness, lack of discernment. And finally, the fate of the unrepentant, also discussed in episode 17 in the parable of the withered fig tree. The illustration for most of this section is teaching the disciples the Lord's Prayer, a late 19th century opaque watercolor over graphite on gray wove paper by James Tissot from his Life of Christ series in the collection of the Brooklyn Museum. The scene was described in Luke 11, 1-4 at the start of this series of dialogues. Jesus' reference in verse 32 to a, quote, little flock suggests that he was speaking only to the twelve. These passages of personal instruction to the twelve are not an assault on wealth or, as in the modern interpretation, an encouragement or glorification of poverty. Neither should, be they, should they be understood as instruction against hard work or the obligation to take care of self and family, as St. Paul instructed in 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 11 and 12. What these passages are is divine wisdom, taught to the twelve, and in some cases to the multitudes, on the theological discipline of discernment, which is the ability to distinguish between important and unimportant things. Jesus will make this clear first to the twelve and separately to the multitudes in verses 49 to 59. The illustration is Jesus' teaching and illumination in colored inks and gold on parchment on the Beatitudes from the Codex Bruxall 1, Folio 17v, Badische Landesbibliothek, Karlsruhe, Germany. Speaking directly, to the twelve, in verses 22 and 23, Jesus said, in the Hebrew couplet style of one verse, followed by the same concept in a different form in the second verse, Do not worry about your life, what you will eat, nor about the body, what you will put on. Life is more than food, and the body is more than clothing. The remaining verses in these moral discourses include variations on the same lesson, but in them, Jesus uses different metaphors, how God provides for the ravens, which neither reap nor sow, in verses 24 and 26, 
lilies which neither toil nor spin in verse 27, and the grass of the field in verse 28a. Before I move on to Jesus' reassuring summary to the twelve in verses 29 to 31, I want to address verse 28b, which sometimes causes puzzlement among modern readers, in which Jesus uses the phrase, O you of little faith. To understand this, this half verse, readers should recall St. John's account of his own visit to the empty tomb in John 20, verse 8, noting that it was only after finding the empty tomb that he and St. Peter believed. And also from St. John's Gospels, the conversation he reports between Jesus and the disciples, especially St. Thomas, in John 20, verses 24 to 29. In those verses, John revealed that they only believed after they had seen either the empty tomb or the resurrected Christ. Simply put, he knew their thoughts and reservations. The illustration is a small Byzantine icon in tempera and gold on panel, The Incredulity of Thomas, painted in the 14th century and rediscovered only in the early 1960s in the collection of the Monastery of the Metamorphosis, Meteora, Greece. In the summary in verses 29 to 31, the subject is the mistake of focusing on material things at the expense of heavenly things, meaning the kingdom of God. When listening to these passages, you should call to mind the petition in the Lord's Prayer concerning daily bread, the true meaning of which is not literal bread, but all things which are truly needful. The illustration for this and the remaining slides is John preaching to the multitudes and engraving by Gustave Doré from his Grand Bible Du Tours published in 1866 in France with an English edition in the same year at London. Doré's artwork shows Jesus addressing the multitude, but in verse 22, St. Luke's narrative indicates these verses were directed only to the twelve. Do not seek what you should eat or what you should drink, nor have an anxious mind. For all these things the nations of the world seek after, and your Father knows that you need these things. But seek after the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added to you. In verse 32, Jesus sought to reassure them. The phrase little flock is the basis for the traditional assumption that the words are directed to the twelve, the loyal band who have followed him, and not to the larger crowd mentioned in other verses. Do not fear, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. This follows logically from the discussion of their worry about earthly things. It is among the earliest forms of the promise of something far greater, that is, life in the kingdom of God. In this course, we are discussing the unique content found in the Gospel of St. Luke, and so we'll not dwell upon the concluding verses, uh, chapter 12, verses 33 and 34, in which St. Luke summarizes lessons also found in St. Matthew's account on the unwisdom of focusing on earthly treasure, and much of the remainder of chapter 12, which is a restatement 
often in longer form, are the stories told in Matthew 24, verses 45 to 51, and Matthew 25, verses 1 to 13, the parables of the wedding feast and the wise and foolish virgins. I want instead to focus on the discussion of the spiritual discipline of discernment in chapter 12, verses 49 to 59, and from the next chapter, the fate of the unrepentant in chapter 13, verses 1 to 9. Discernment is a spiritual discipline which is not very well understood in the Western church. As I noted earlier, it means learning to distinguish between what is truly important and what is not. The context in which it is introduced does not make it any easier to explain. The message is delivered in allegorical and not literal terms. Jesus will challenge his listeners' understanding of the purpose of his incarnation. Jesus said in verses 49 and 50, I came to send fire on the earth, and how I wish it were already kindled. But I have a baptism to be baptized with, and how distressed I am till it is accomplished. Fire is both a symbol of the presence of God, especially of judgment and of cleansing. Among the many examples in the Old Testament are the fire which went before the processional of Jews leaving Egypt, the burning bush from which an angel spoke, giving instruction concerning the commandments, but which did not destroy the bush in Exodus 3 verse 2. In the book of Psalms, the psalmist writes in 104.4, He maketh his angels winds and his ministers a flaming fire. Jesus then, by his presence among mankind in the incarnation, is not literal fire, but a spiritual flaming fire come to cleanse mankind of its disobedience since Adam and Eve. How I wish it were already kindled in verse 39 means he was saddened that his message had not been accepted by the Hebrew nation. The baptism of which he speaks is not literal sacramental baptism, as in immersion in water and the presence of the Holy Spirit, but a foretelling or prophecy of his coming propitiatory death upon the cross as a ransom offered in exchange for the forgiveness of the sins of mankind since Adam and Eve, as St. John explained in one of the comfortable words quotations in Anglican Holy Communion from 1 John 2, verses 1 and 2. Christ Jesus continues to challenge the minds of his listeners with a question in verse 51a, which he answers in verse 51b. Do you suppose I came to give peace on the earth? I tell you, not at all, but rather division. In the earlier episodes, I have spoken about the meaning of peace, that is, God's peace, not harmony among mankind, or the lack of open warfare. Jesus then used three pairs of examples, and in the Hebrew style rephrasing each in rearranged form in subsequent verses. From now on, five in one house will be divided, three against two, and two against three. Father will be divided against son, and son against father, mother against daughter, daughter against mother, mother-in-law against daughter-in-law, and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. 
The meaning is that even within family units, some will accept the offer of salvation and some will not. The closing verses in chapter 12, verses 58 and 59, are a lesson similar to Matthew 5:21 to 26 on the method for resolving differences between brothers. The aspect of the final verse which I want to stress includes Jesus' moral discourse on the need for the spiritual discipline of discernment in verses 54b to 57. Discernment, as Jesus said, is the ability to distinguish what is right from what is not. The weather allusions are to the common understanding in the Holy Land that signify in the first example storm off the Mediterranean and the second hot winds from the desert to the south. St. Luke provides context in verse 54 explaining that Jesus is here speaking to the multitudes. Whenever you see a cloud rising out of the west, immediately you say a shower is coming, and so it is. And when you see the south wind blow, you say there will be hot weather, and there is. Hypocrites, you can discern the face of the sky and the earth, but how is it you do not discern this time? Yes, and why even of yourselves you do not judge what is right. Jesus brings the moral discourses to a conclusion with a lesson in repentance. The account refers to two examples of unfairness found only in St. Luke's Gospel. The first, as explained by St. Luke in verse 13, brought up by some who were present, refers to Galileans whose sacrifices were defiled by Pontius Pilate. The second, one of only two references to Siloam in the New Testament, where a tower collapsed. The Pool of Siloam is on the southeast side of the Temple Mount near the Fountain Gate. It is the place to which Jesus in John 9, 7 instructed a blind man to wash himself and from which the man came back from the pool with his sight restored. The tower's collapse is not mentioned anywhere else in the New Testament or in any other document from the same time period. One can only assume that the incident was widely known in the second quarter of the first century A.D. Do you suppose that these Galileans were worse sinners than all other Galileans because they suffered such things? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Or those eighteen on whom the tower in Siloam fell and killed them? Do you think that they were worse sinners than all other men who dwelt in Jerusalem? I tell you no, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Other AIC resources on topics discussed in this episode are from other episodes in this Bible study video series, New Testament Gospels, the parables of the rich fool and the withered fig tree are discussed in episode 17. St. John's account of Jesus healing a blind man who was sent to the pool of Siloam is discussed in episode 37, and the incredulity or disbelief of Thomas in episode 41. From the AIC Christian Education video series, The Lives of the Saints, from the first series, the 1928 Book of Common Prayer Saints, 
St. John is the focus of episode 4, Paul of episode 5, Matthew of 14, and Luke of 15. From the AIC Bookstore publication, The Gospel of Luke, annotated and illustrated from chapters 12 and 13, The Moral Discourses Which Jesus Offered to the Twelve. The illustration from page 140 is an engraving by Gustave Doré from his Grand Bible Du Tours, also published in London in the same year and commonly known as Doré's English Bible. The layman's lexicon, words and phrases of interest for this episode are Abba, covet slash covetousness, discernment, faith, father, fire class slash cleansing fire, heaven, judgment, kingdom, virtues, and wisdom. In the beliefs of the Anglican Church, the commandments and their use in the 1928 Book of Common Prayer are discussed on pages 49 to 56, with the Tenth Commandment against covetousness on pages 55 to 56. Finally, there is Father Ron's blog, which is accessible using links at the top and the bottom of each page. Entries in the blog usually include an illustration. The direct URL address for the blog is www.anglicaninternetchurch.net right slash blog with blog in all lowercase letters. By clicking on the Follow Anglican Internet Church legend in the right-hand column and afterward entering your email address, you can receive notice of each new posting from our site host, wordpress.com. Please be assured that we do not share information with any other organization. Thank you for joining me for episode 23. Next time in episode 24, I will continue with part 5 in my discussion of unique content in the Gospel of St. Luke. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face to shine upon you and be merciful to you. May the Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Glory be to God for all things. Amen. This program has been a presentation of the Anglican Internet Church. We invite you to visit our website and use its resources at www.anglicaninternetchurch.net.